Hey, warriors, welcome to the Untamed Life podcast, where we are breaking free from those chains of the past and rising to lead extraordinary lives. I believe it's time for us to ditch the rules of this world that are keeping us enslaved in the grind, playing from behind, and instead opt into a conscious and strategic upgrade, one that is founded in spiritual principles that can only be accessed through the power of the heart. So if you are craving deeper, more meaningful relationships, vibrant bodies full of life force, true prosperity in all arenas, and a life of adventure, this podcast is for you. My name is Christine Jewell. I'm a high-performance coach and spiritual mentor, and together we will awaken the king or queen you are destined to be so that you can experience the fullness of life that's waiting for you. Let's dive in. All right, welcome back to another episode. Today we're talking about honor, respect, and love inside of relationships. Here's here's something that I hear a lot. I hear this a lot. Well, he he if he loved me, if she loved me, he wouldn't or she wouldn't. Another thing that I hear often is like, well, if he did love me, then he wouldn't have done this. Clearly you don't love me. How many times do we throw these daggers, these daggers at each other? And we're like, well, clearly you don't love me because you said this or you did that or whatever. And I actually do a lot of work with my clients around this whole concept, this whole idea that, you know, if we loved each other, we wouldn't act this way. And I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever yelled at your child, lost your shit, done something in the heat of the moment out of reaction, said things that you deeply regret to your children, to the people you love most in your life? I'm sure that you have. And does that mean that you don't love them? Does it mean you don't love your child because you lost your shit on them? (laughs) Does it mean you don't love your husband or your wife because that one time when you were stressed out and anxious or had too many drinks or whatever it was, it was so much going on, you felt overwhelmed, you spewed out some insecurities and resentment that you hadn't talked about for a long time. Does it mean you don't love him or her? Or does it mean that there is unresolved unhealed, unspoken things inside of you that have been stirred up in that moment and you reacted in that moment. You reacted to the external stimuli, to the trigger, and it activated something inside of you. And what was inside of you came out of you. See, I think that sometimes we, we associate, well, you know, if you do this, you say this, you don't love me. Well, here's the thing. Is it possible to love someone and still say hurtful things, do hurtful things? The answer is yes, of course. We're humans. I think the first step here is, are we willing to stop putting each other on these perfectionist pedestals with full of expectations? They say, well, I need you to be the perfect union, the perfect husband, the perfect wife, the perfect child, the perfect whatever. And if you aren't, then that means something about me. Do we see how we begin to, you know, give the other person all this power over our identity? What does this say about me? Who is now answering life's essential question of am I loved? Which I believe is a question that is designed for us to take internally and wrestle with internally and ask of ourselves and ask of God, am I loved? Ultimately, I know I am loved because the fact that I was created is evidence of it alone. Of course I am loved and I am lovable, right? What am I in love with? What what do I love 
and appreciate in my life. Now, is my behavior a reflection of it is a different question. (laughs) Because a lot of us grew up in a lot of dysfunctional homes where we saw things, we witnessed things, we became things as a product of our environment. We, We adopted distorted versions of what love looks like and what love means, right? And as a result, we have a distorted imprint program running that I can love you and actually do really harmful things to you or love sounds like yelling, screaming, passionate lovemaking afterwards, right? Or love looks like walking on eggshells and never telling, you know, never ruffling anyone's feathers and just making sure that we keep a peaceful state, which is actually a joke because really everyone can cut the tension in the air with a knife, right? So here's the thing I invite us to really adopt. First of all, come back to love is an essence, Love itself is God. God is love. Love is all that God is, you know, and in the heart of God is love. The heart of our divine reflection of God is love. When we come back into union with Him, what we experience is this overwhelming love. And sometimes in relationship, we can feel overwhelmed with all of these feelings and it awakens our heart and it unlocks our heart. And all of a sudden, our eyes are open to the beauty around us. All of a sudden, you know, the grass looks greener, the skies look bluer, the future looks more promising. What has happened is that we got, you know, we, something external allowed us to, boom, unlock the heart and allow us to experience the state, the state of love. But a lot of times we are confused and we confuse ecstasy or this sort of blissed out high vibrational feeling, feeling that is fleeting with love. Love is deep. Love is vast. Love is wide. And love is unchanging. But we can feel feelings that we have labeled as love. That's like, oh my gosh, I'm so in love with this. And it's kind of like this, ah, blissed out happy moment. But if we're chasing that feeling, we're not really anchored in love. When we are anchored in love, we're anchored to the state of love and of being loved and of being loving. And so now the question becomes, does my behavior reflect, is my behavior, the verb, my doing a reflection of the love, the state that I'm choosing to be in? If I choose love, I believe love is a choice, just like any state. We choose consciously or unconsciously, we are opting into the state that we choose to be in. There's a lot of us who've unconsciously been programmed to select dissatisfaction discontentment, sadness, fear, (laughs) um, jealousy as a baseline state. To be in a state of love is to choose love every day. You wake up and you're like, God, I am so grateful to be alive. Thank you for filling my heart with love. Thank you for connecting me to, you know, the state of love, your love, the love that you have placed inside of me. And let me operate from this state of love today. Let me love my husband. Let me love my kids. May I love the life that I've been given. It is a choice to be in the state. Okay, so I really want to make sure that we are super clear on that, that love is the state, the ultimate state of intimacy with the heart of God. And it is a state that is overwhelmingly 
it creates a sense of ease and peace within us, the peace beyond understanding. And we are filled with the knowing that we are loved, but we can feel that standing on top of a mountain. You know, I think all of us, like for me, it's happened so many times in nature where I've just been standing on the, you know, by the ocean on a cliff, climbing a mountain at the top of a ski hill. I, I remember very specifically being in the middle of a lake, in the middle of a half Ironman race. I was in the middle of a race, swimming, whatever, how many kilometers that is in the lake. And it was up in Muskoka and I was swimming. And I remember tears of just pure joy running down my eyes in the water. And I was crying and I was swimming. And I was like, thank you, God. I am so overwhelmed with joy and love. Like I get to do this. I get to be here. I get to love this life. Like I get to, wow. Right. But it's choosing the states instead of waiting for the state to come to us. And this is where I think we get it wrong. We wait for our husbands, for our wives, for our kids, for someone to say, you know what? You look amazing. I love you. You're beautiful. You do everything right. Oh my gosh. And we wait for other people to worship us. We wait for other people to give us all of this validation before we act from a place of love, before we choose love as a state, before we choose to do the loving thing. So number one, love is a state. Number two, Love is a state that always is. It's eternal. It is a state of God's heart. And it is a state that's available to all of us. And it is unlocked through the power of the heart. The only way to experience true love, true intimacy, is to release the hardening around your heart, to go into the places where you have built up walls, to heal the parts that were broken and wounded that you have tried to forget about, to begin to notice and see and ask that God would reveal His heart to you and in turn reveal your own heart to you because we are a reflection of God's heart. So beautiful. So love is a state. Whether we choose to experience it or not, that's up to us. I could choose right now a state of anxiousness if I wanted to. I could go there that fast. All I need to do is think about the million things that I need to do or whatever. But I choose daily not to go there. So right now, if love is a state, the second thing is, what am I choosing? What state will I choose today? Will I choose love? If I, if I choose love, the decision is I get to be in love. I get to be in the state of love and I get to operate from love, knowing that love is always, always available to me. The third piece is, what would love do? What does love say? How does love act? And Here's the thing. If you have a distorted, old, wounded, dysfunctional, you know, and I'm not saying this, like if we have a broken view of love, the world's view of love is not really going to feel good. And it's not going to be sustainable when we try to make decisions from that view of love, because we'll be chasing it. We'll be waiting for it. We'll be trying to do things to earn it. But you don't earn love. It just is. You don't, you know, chase love. Chase is. You can't hold on to it. You can hold the state of it. So the third piece here is taking action that is loving, being conscious enough to slow down and ask ourselves, are these words that are about to come out of my mouth right now, are they loving words that build and edify and add life? Are they words that tear down? I can love and 
allow unloving words to come out of my mouth. And when we do act in a way that's out of alignment with our heart, it is painful. We have great guilt. We have remorse. We start beating ourselves up, just like going back to that example of us being a parent that is yelling and screaming or losing our temper with our child. And we're like, oh my love, oh my God, I love this child. This is like my, this little baby, this child is so perfect. How could I act like this? And I remember, oh my gosh, oh, I just had a flashback. When one of the children was little, I don't know who it was, maybe Bailey, my first, my oldest child, crying, you know, had colic, would cry all the time. I was 23, 25. I was way too young to be having kids, but I already had two stepkids. I had a baby. My baby would not stop crying. (laughs) I was doing the Elmo thing, the bouncy castle, the bouncy thing, squats with this child in the baby Bjork carrier. The baby would not stop. And I remember once just totally like (sighs) overwhelmed, anxious, tired, exhausted, feeling like a complete failure. Mom picking up my baby and shaking her going like, like, oh my God, please stop, please stop. And in that moment, it was like, oh my God, what am I doing? What am I doing? And I remember like how awful I felt afterwards. And so we can, in those moments, you know, that's just a perfect example of like these moments where we're just like, how could I even go there? Because in that moment, I had a momentary lapse of being taken over, being held hostage in my body by this thing, being overwhelmed with the emotion of the moment. And I disconnected. I forgot. I forgot the state of love. I disconnected from love because I was connected to the external. Something takes over us. You know, and there's a physical element. There's a spiritual element. There's an emotional element here. You know, sometimes we can have a spiritual overtaking, right, of anger and frustration that we have to break in the spiritual realm. Sometimes it's just triggers, external triggers, and we're just keep opening doors and allowing those things to just, you know, taunt us and poke at us. And we're taking the bait all the time. And it's an old familiar pattern. So we're replaying patterns. And this is a yes and. But coming back to whenever we act out of alignment with the state that we know we we feel inside or we desire, it creates great pain. And this is why a lot of us, you know, we're ending up feeling guilty, heavy, anxious, depressed, feeling sad with a lot of, you know, wishing that we could go back and change things. And really, I invite you to move into a space of, you know, okay, what do you regret? What are you convicted about? I regret losing my temper. I regret saying the things I said. I regret being so reactive. I regret having these crazy expectations. Okay, what are we convicted of? What what can we move? So the first step here around love, you know, it's like, let's begin to ask better questions and make better statements. What is love anyway? Have I been identifying love as a, a feeling I get from someone else? Because if that's the case, you will always need someone else doing a very specific thing in order for you to access a state. That is a state of enslavement, my loves. That's a state of enslavement. True freedom, true freedom comes from within, that I can feel loved. I know I am loved, even in the moment where my husband is giving me a dirty look or And by the way, Mark does not give me dirty looks, but (laughs) I'm throwing that out there. Or he's dissatisfied with something, or I'm being criticized for something, or someone says something negative on one of my posts or, you know, disagrees with me. It's like, I know I'm still loved in the moment, regardless of someone else's behavior. That's power. That's empowerment. That's freedom. 
versus enslavement. So I want to move to the next piece is that we can be in a state of love. And if we're choosing to be in the state and we're choosing to operate from the state, we train ourselves in the action. The the action is the training piece. So every day I get to wake up, choose the state, anchor myself in it, and then action speaks louder than words, right? Action is what mobilizes Everybody, you know, so 99% of people are waiting for someone else to mobilize first. I'm waiting for him to text me first. I'm waiting for him to tell me first. I'm waiting for her to do the right thing. And the same thing I tell everyone is if you are choosing love, then you are choosing to go first. Leaders go first. I'm choosing to do the loving thing first, right? And sometimes he goes first and it's amazing and it feels great. And the more we just move, the more we just act because that's who we are. That's what we're choosing. That's what we're choosing to operate from. The beautiful thing is the more comes back to us, (laughs) the more love comes back. The more we wait, the more the other person waits. The more we're waiting on them to be perfect, the more they're waiting for us to be perfect. And so the rigmarole continues. So is it possible to love someone? and do really hurtful things to love someone and have affairs? Is it pers- possible to love someone and be passive in a relationship? Is it po- Yeah, it's possible. And it's painful for both parties because everyone knows you're out of integrity, out of alignment. Eventually, it kills the soul. The second piece I want to unpack here is honor and respect. And they do tie hand in hand. And I believe when we choose love, And we're choosing to do the loving thing where we actually begin to move into the place of honor. I honor you. Like I really honor who you are. I honor who God has created you to be. I honor the character of the man and the woman. I honor where you're at in this season of your life. Like, can we truly honor each other's feelings? The fact that, you know, your wife says she's struggling or your husband is, you know, feeling anger right now or your child is going through something and they're anxious or feeling depressed. Or can we just be okay with letting them be and feel what they're feeling? Can we honor them without trying to jump in and fix them, without having to coach them, without having to defend ourselves? If somebody says, you know, I'm really upset about this thing that happened, this thing that I heard you say about me, or you said this, or when you did this, this made me upset. The, the, think about that. When someone tells you that something you did upset them, do you get defensive right away? Do you start explaining yourself? Do you start, you know, defending and explaining or trying to justify, or throw it back at them and remind them of the way that they offended you. Because that, my loves, is dishonor. Dishonor. And I know dishonor really well because it was my M.O. If I was dating someone, or in my ex, you know, with my relationship with my ex, if they ever told me that I did anything wrong, (laughs) any kind of criticism, anything that I could, that I did that upset them right away, I had so much armor on as a warrior fighting all the wrong battles that I would throw it right back in their face and be like, yeah, well, I wouldn't be this way if you didn't do this. I completely dishonored their frustrations, their pain, their hurts, their insecurities. I took everything personally. I made everything about me. And that is so dishonoring to them. So one of the practices I teach all of my clients is, you know, when your partner or your child or, you know, maybe there's someone on your team is coming and saying, you know what, I'm feeling X or this happened and this made me upset. Can we honor each other enough to just listen? 
to be okay with the fact that this person's allowed to feel what they feel. Their perception is their reality, right? If I look, because perception is our projection, like what I see is what is coming out of me. So how can you argue with me about what I'm seeing? It's like the projector is inside of my mind. The the lights, you know, are coming out of my eye, like the whatever (laughs) the, the projection thing comes out of, the lens are my eyes. So I'm literally projecting whatever's inside of me out into the world around me. So when people are doing this and they're like, this is what I see, this is my reality, and we get angry and we're like, how can you see that? What's wrong with you? And we start grumbling with that. It's like, can we just honor what they see? Can we respect them enough to just listen and say, wow, that that is the vantage point that you're from? And maybe we just listen and we be there with them and we can invite them. We can invite them to explore a different vantage point. Like, hey, are you curious what I see from where I'm sitting? You know, and I, uh, um, a very practical example I used the other day on a call with a client was, you know, when, when someone is down and you're, again, I'm using the analogy of climbing a mountain or something. And one of you is higher up on the trail right? You're maybe like over, you have the overlook. You already made it to the overlook and you have this like expansive view and you're like, whoa, whoa, (laughs) this is freaking amazing. I can see so much vastness. I can see so much green. It's so lush. I could see the valleys. There's a river down there. I can see the sunset. Meanwhile, the other person is walking up the hill and on that side of the mountain, it's dry. It's arid. It's 100 degrees. They're running out of water. The rocks are slippery under their feet. And they're like, oh my gosh, it is so much work. It's so hot. I'm so tired. Nothing is going right. Are we ever going to get there? And all they can see is the dirt. And all they can feel is the heat and the fact that they're thirsty. And they're telling you, I'm hot and I'm thirsty and I'm tired. And this is never going to end. Like, are you going to argue with them (laughs) that they're hot and they're thirsty? We can say, hey, just a few more steps. Here I am. I get that you're hot. I was there too. I was hot and thirsty and confused down there. But I took a few more steps and here I am. And this is what I see. We can invite them into a different vantage point. So this, how does this come back to the honor thing? Well, you know, this comes back to the fact that I get to just honor where they are without having to defend, explain, get angry, justify, force them to see what I see. I can ask them, would you like to know what I see from my view? It may encourage you. It may inspire you because I can see something different. But it's okay if they say no. Maybe they just need to be on the trail for a bit and grumble, <laughs> all right? And the last piece of this is, and, is respect. And I think that they go hand in hand. When we honor each other, we respect each other. And the one, another thing that I hear often is I feel so disrespected. I feel disrespected by my partner. I feel disrespected by my team. I feel disrespected by my kids. You know, yelling at each other has become the norm. I ask, I ask, I ask. It's ignored. And I'll just say this. If respect comes when respect is given. Respect comes when respect is given. We demand respect without truly giving it. So that would be the first question I would ask is, am I demanding respect without speaking respectfully? And I like to use practical examples, but one very practical example is like this engaging in useless fights, verbal abuse, 
putting each other down, attacking each other's character, getting into these entangled conversations when we just allow these, these conversations to drag on and we don't set a firm boundary. We don't say, you know what? I love you and I respect both of us enough to end this conversation until we can come back to it from a place where we're calm and we can build each other up and we can talk calmly. So we can be firm and loving. We can be respectful. The respectful thing sometimes is to pause. The respectful thing sometimes is to say, you know what? I need a moment. The respectful thing sometimes is to say, you know what? I'm going to give you this back as your responsibility. And I'm going to stop saving you and caring you because I respect you enough. I trust you enough. And I know that you have what it takes. Right. It could be a lot of things, but really I want to leave you with this is like, where are you disrespecting others truly by yelling, nagging, complaining, holding, harboring resentment, right? You may not be saying it out loud, but you are thinking it in your head and it's oozing out of you. And where are you ultimately then disrespecting yourself? Because if we are being disrespected, it means that we are not holding the standard for respect in our lives. This is actually something I've done a lot of work on over the last few years. And I talk about it a lot because it is one of the things, A, I did not see respect in my house growing up. There was zero respect. There was total disrespect. Yelling, screaming, kicking, temper tantrums, all of it. You know, um, no boundaries, no real rules ever. I mean, there was an attempt to have discipline, but usually when someone lost their shit or it went too far, I did not learn. I did not, A, I did not, I was told, but I did not see and I did not experience proper boundaries, proper respect of people's physical space, physical body, words. There was verbal abuse. There was physical abuse, right? I saw my dad abuse, you know, being abusive towards himself, being abusive towards my mother, being abusive towards us. It became the norm. Like you want something and you're not getting paid attention to, you scream louder, you bang on doors, you kick, you throw a temper tantrum, you wait for the explosion, you run and hide, like you manipulate, like there's all these things that show up. And this, if that's the experience, that's what we repeat. And we could have this desire to really desperately want to be respected, but You got to think to like, what has been your experience? How do you operate? And have you cultivated the self-respect, truly the respect within yourself to respect yourself, to respect others? And ultimately, I believe that this cannot be cultivated until we ultimately really respect God first, right? But that's, that's me. So I want to, this is a perfect place actually to, to say this. There's a proverb. I thought it was an African proverb. Some people say it's Confucius. Some people say it's someone else. So I don't know who gets credit for it. But it goes something along the lines of, what I hear, I forget. What I see, I remember. What I experience, I understand. What I do and I experience, I understand. So I got to ask you, there's a lot of us out there as parents Telling our children, be loving, do the loving thing, love others, da-da-da, right? We're telling ourselves or we're telling our partner, well, you need to do this, you need to do that. But what are people observing? What are people observing? What did you observe 
growing up because I guarantee that what you observed, what you watched is what you remember. What I remember, a lot of my memories are what I saw with my eyes, the painful things I saw with my eyes, the things you see that you can't unsee, right? That leave an imprint in your psyche. And I just want to say that there's a lot of people, you know, we are out here and we are cultivating environments inside our home. What our children are observing in us is the way we interact with one another. How are they seeing us talk to each other as a couple? How are they seeing dad or mom walk in the door after work or in the morning? How are they seeing us interact while we're cooking or spending the weekends together? Is there anger? Is there resentment? Is there walking on eggshells? Like, what are they What are they seeing? Is there just like passivity? Like, oh, mom and dad, they're just kind of like roommates, you know? They just kind of, she cooks or she does everything for him. There's not like, there's no intimacy, no touch, right? There's no affection. Are they seeing affection? Are they seeing healthy communication? Are they seeing you respecting yourself, your time, your space, your energy, your, your body? Or are they seeing something completely different? Because what we see, we remember. What we're told, they forget. You should eat healthier. Yeah, whatever. You should clean your room. Yeah, whatever, right? Be loving, whatever. It doesn't matter. We get to start telling less. We get to show more, role modeling, influencing. Am I modeling love? Am I model? Are they seeing me be loving? Are they seeing me choose respect, right? The third piece is what I do, what I experience, I understand. Immersion. When we're immersed in our environment, what we observe, but then they experience it in their nervous system, right? We experience the atmosphere. We experience the fights or the the loving environments, the, you know, the unity and the open, safe environment. But what our body, our nervous system experiences, our body experiences becomes the imprint and the blueprint that's repeated because that's what we understand. Therefore, that's what's automated inside of us. So ultimately... The question is, what experience uh, am I, A, putting myself into over and over again? If I'm just catching myself going through this program of repeating the same experiences of painful relationships, whatever the thing is, fighting over the same stupid shit, you know, roller coasters of, you know, growth and then exhaustion and like peaks and valleys. Like if that's your familiar experience, we've got to begin to intentionally select and choose a different experience. It is really that simple by saying today, I will give myself a different experience. Let me go whoop, bathe myself in a different experience. I have to intentionally choose a new experience. The more experiences we have, the faster we integrate and understand that. And this is also true for what experiences am I giving to those around me? This is why I love to, a lot of coaching and therapy and personal development can sometimes be all head knowledge, a lot of telling, right? Read this, do this, do like not do this, but think, think, think. And there's a lot of us saying, yeah, I know, I know, I know. And it's like, no, we don't know. What we know is what's embodied. What we know, what we understand is what we do. Yeah, I understand. No, we don't understand anything. We don't actually know. What we know is what comes out of our mouth. What we know is what we choose every day. What we know is what we repeat. The knowing that's in our body. If we want to know and understand something different, we've got to choose different experiences every day. So my loves, I want to leave you with this. Today, if it's love you're seeking, choose love as a state. If it's respect you're seeking, 
Choose respect as a state. Choose honor. And I believe these things, three things go hand in hand. And when you can tap into this realm of love, honor, and respect, you will begin to multiply <laughs> the intimacy in your relationships, the trust, the connection. You will begin to feel so much more empowered. And we give each other the freedom to really rise. Freedom to rise in, and let our gifts bloom. Freedom to rise as lovers. Freedom to rise, you know, as the men and women of God that we're created to be. So I want to leave you with that today as we wrap up. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I hope this, this message lands for you because whatever it is that you're seeking is also seeking you. But you must choose to put yourself in that state. Takes a lot of awareness, takes a lot of intention and courageous leadership. Until next time, you guys, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of the conversation. I really appreciate you listening. And again, I really appreciate you leaving a review. I read them all. Share this message with a friend. And as always, if you would like to go deeper in this work, I would love for you to connect with me over at Connect with christinejewel.com. There's a free training there you can opt into. There's an opportunity for you to apply for mentorship, but let's connect. Connect at christinejewel.com. Head on over there. Make sure you get into the world so you can see all of the things that are coming up, the live events, the experiences, the mentoring programs. Everything is there. Connect with christinejewel.com. And uh, thank you again for being here. Until next time, here's to loving fiercely and leading courageously as we lead the untamed life. Bye for now. Thanks again for joining me in today's episode. It is my intention to bring you valuable, heart-shifting content every time that will upgrade your life. If you're a new listener, make sure you follow the podcast so you can stay up to date as future episodes roll out. And I invite you to head on over and join my free community, Warriors of the Heart on Facebook. In there, you'll find bonus trainings, a game-changing assessment tool, and exclusive member-only offers. Until next time, Warriors, here's to loving fiercely and leading courageously in the untamed life, the only life worth living.